Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the ACCA student podcast. I'm Connor and I'm here today with Alan. Hello, everybody. This week on the show, we talk about the essential skills that ACCA graduates are going to need in 2020 and beyond to ensure a successful career. We're also looking at recent news stories about how companies are using innovative methods to combat waste and pollution in the fashion industry before getting to this week's student questions. So we're kind of, we're just out of exam week and I'm sure a lot of people are very relieved and they're trying not really to think about study or don't want to think about what they might be doing yet um, exam wise in the new year. But one of the things we wanted to talk about, and this was a recent blog that we had up on our site, is around essential skills that uh, graduates are going to need come 2020 and beyond. And I suppose the the, the way the career is changing mm-hmm. as we, we go on. Um, so for anyone who wants to see the blog, they can go onto the blog. It's called Eight Essential Skills ACCA Graduates Need in 2020. Um, so I'll go through a few of these now, but I suppose like any industry, everything is changing. There's, you know, technology and globalization are making accounting, like everything, a very different landscape. Mm-hmm. Um and there's there's obviously unpredictability around that, but there's it kind of draws you back to some of the the key traits of the career and why it's important. Um, so I'm not going to quiz you and see if you can name the eight. <laughs> if I have those, <laughs> yeah. do I have those traits? If you have them, maybe between us. Um, but we we will try just to touch on on all of them if we can. Um, so one of the things which is obviously, and anyone who's sat the exams will know that you need technical skills because that's a lot of what you're studying now. Um, but I suppose where this is changing is, you know, accounting is no longer data entry. It's being even experts on how you're using that. And that comes up a lot later. But one of the, the technical skills is actually understanding the, the software that you're mm. going to be using to apply that. So whereas before it was maybe putting information into the the software. Now it's actually understanding what those are spitting out. So I suppose, you know, technical skills around technology as well as the accounting um, knowledge itself is becoming much more important. Well, I think the the days of a a kind of general ledger accounting system, just being the debits and credits are gone. I think the systems require an awful lot more information. And you look at something like a, a SAGE system of putting in an invoice, you're actually putting in all the invoice details. Yeah. So that the analysis of those numbers, whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, you kind of say, oh, there's a balance in that account of 1,000 euro. What's in that? And somebody goes to a filing cabinet and takes out yeah. the folder and I think, oh, I think it's D7 together, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But I think those days, like it's it's information and analysis in order to help with decision making. Yeah. And, and if you don't know how to embrace the technology or use the technology properly, it's going to give you information in the wrong way or you're going to kind of export information incorrectly that will mean you'll make incorrect decisions because of that. Yeah, and from my own experience working, I would have come from audit and, you know, not even that long ago and depending on the client and maybe how tech savvy they were, but, you know, there was a time where a lot of what you did was manual checks. Certainly if you're at the lower level, people checking, you know, invoices to purchase orders and things like that, whereas systems now eliminate all of that and a lot of what you see in audit and I'm sure people who are studying audit will know this, all these um, there's cats and the computer assisted audit techniques but it's much more you've you know systems to do that but you need someone who's analyzing that and making sure that there's controls in place that they're not being manipulated so again it's it's showing how 
you know, that you can have software to do things, but you still need to have that that technical knowledge to make sure it's not being that it's being used in the right way. That you're understanding what it spit out, but that it's also not being used in the wrong way. Well, there's a company in the last few days, and I can't, I won't say the name. I think in case I'm wrong. In case we're sued. In case we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, no, I'm joking. But there's a they're a fashion company, and I think they're a company that was already in a little bit of trouble, and it worked out that the the stock in the, on their system overvalued by a long way okay. the physical and that you'd, you'd see that in audit kind of going well why do you say you have 500 of these when there's only 10 yeah. in the stock room that type of thing but like it's quite a quite a chunky amount yeah um, and obviously that's a write off the P&L and that's a, a negative on their performance a further negative on their performance um, but and the indication seemed to be that it's not a fraud thing that it's actually people not understanding how to use the systems yeah, properly yeah. Uh, which is a which is a real shame because it's it's kind of especially it's okay if you're doing amazingly well because if you're doing amazingly well and you make a little mistake people go yeah that's fine but if you're already having a hard time and your hard time is made harder and it's all because somebody didn't kind of understand how to use the systems properly it's not a good thing at all yeah and just to finish because this is I know we're still on the first point but it is big so this technical skill side people think well I'm an accountant I just need to know the accounting side but you know even within our CPD courses we're seeing a lot more people are calling for things on cryptocurrency and blockchain because regardless of you know you might be the accountant but you need to understand how these things work and understand how companies are using them so that you can you know analyze that and it's quickly going to become a way that you're seeing you know the the amount of cryptocurrency that companies have rather than the the petty cash that they have in a box so it, things are going more cashless you have to understand the, the changes in the industry and how businesses work to be able to have value as an accountant I suppose when I passed my exams I was brought into a room and everybody was celebrating and I was saying oh great I passed my exams arms are wonderful and um, a guy that was much much older than me and kind of my boss in a way and, and I would have known him quite well and he said uh, well done on passing your exams this is only the beginning of you learning how to become an accountant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and, and like, you kind of go, you go into audit and you think of all the stuff you got told how it should be audited and then how it yeah, was yeah, audited. <laughs> or like, it's, it's very, it's broadly the same and the rules are the same, but the reality is very different than on a piece of paper. And I think you mentioned the CPD courses and, and it is, you should never think that you're, because you've passed the exam, you're technically knowledgeable. And, and I know on our CPD, we're encouraging the whole personal development side and the management side. And that is important, especially when you start managing people. But don't forget that the latest IFRS or the latest update or cryptocurrency, anything like that, that is very, very technical. It's your job as an accountant. And it's, well, it's your responsibility to keep your accountancy qualification. But it, is, it should be your, and not really your job, it should be your, your goal to keep yourself very, very up to date so you can be the most relevant to your company or maybe another company you'd like to work for in the future. Yeah, so the next one what, what it, um, is a kind of a global mindset. And this is something which people will have started to see within the exams. It's, it's much less about one company in one country. But, you know, everything is more connected now. And you do need to start thinking globally, mm. not just, you know, within your exams and the implications that has, but, but in whatever business you're in. And not only, you know, the different regulations and taxes and cultures you might be dealing with, but also the opportunities and threats that arises from that. So I think that's a, a big thing um, for kind of anyone to be thinking about going forward. Yeah, and, and I think the 
the old accountant, let's call them that, um, would have would be looking at adding the revenue and adding the expenses and giving your P&L and maybe a small analysis. But as an accountant now, even if you are a, a company in one country that doesn't operate anywhere else, the chances are your customers or your suppliers do. And it's your job to understand them. They're all what the, that broad term stakeholders are all stakeholders. So it is actually the accountant's job now to understand a little bit about the customer, a little bit about the suppliers, a little bit about their business, a little bit about the regions they operate yeah. in. That that because you want to be sitting in that room where people are making strategic decisions and you want to be involved in that. And if you're just a person who says, Oh, here's the numbers, I'll leave now because I don't play a part anymore. Yeah. So that it's a wider it's a wider and as you said, culture. You want to get you the chances are as you grow through your career you're gonna have people working for you. You are setting the culture for that department and, and now we have that that C P D course about building your finance team. And it is that. So if you're building it, you are setting the culture. You are you are motivating people, and it's a, all of these skills are are not taught a little bit in SPL. But you can't teach somebody. You can teach people the theory, but you kind of have to live through it yeah. and 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 use your experiences to build on these things. I thought the next one was interesting because you know we've talked a lot about developments there, technology, globalization. But what the third point we have, and it kind of comes back to the cornerstone of the profession, is professional ethics and this idea of integrity and having skepticism. And for anyone who's listened to this podcast, you'll you'll have seen how quickly things are picked up on social media and in the news around. Um, there's just so much more increased kind of scrutiny around organisations now. So you know, accountants need to be the ones who are bringing that integrity mm. to it. So you know, these you'll always hear. I think it's it's one of ACCA's again. Um, they're kind of they have quarterly. Um, pillars and that there's always a pillar around ethics but it is such an important part of the profession yeah because it is your job to and, and ethics isn't just doing the right things all at the right time it is your responsibility to protect the company and protect the people and you have to kind of be brave and, and challenge people in order to do that and, and like it, it is like we've talked about companies in our news stories and we could be doing it again today but um <laughs> That with a little bit of challenge, people wouldn't have gotten away with the things they did. Yeah, with with as with stronger, stronger individuals standing up, and and I think the whole we work thing is a is a really yeah. is a is a prime example of that. That if people have just stood up earlier and were stronger, and kind of said, no, you can't. The the there really isn't anything underpinning this whole business. And I'm sure SoftBank would have liked somebody to do that a lot yeah. earlier. <laughs> Maybe they should have done it. But that's all part of this ethics. Um, yeah. That it's not just knowing right from wrong. There's a lot more skills to being ethical. Yeah, and I think that ties in with the next skill, which was communication. And you kind of alluded to it earlier. The accountant's no longer the quiet guy in the room who drops no. in the figures and then leaves. It's it's all about that interacting with the the greater business, the different stakeholders, and you know, not being afraid to speak up and use your expertise um, and use you know some of the other skills like analysis that we'll get to now but that that's what the accountants are needed for now to, to bring that expertise that integrity to challenge people and then that can help drive you know the overall health of the business and success well like the account if you, if you think of it like a, a, a building and let's say there's six floors in the building um, the person on the first floor who might be in the manufacturing or might be in sales or might be in HR maybe, something that's very focused. 
if they look out their windows, they just see other buildings. But as you go higher and higher, you have a better view of everything because you have more information. And the accountant has one of the best views of anything because they have access to all the information. They're seeing the results. They're seeing the reason for the results. They're yeah. seeing why things are being spent. They're seeing the performance of the income. They're seeing the performance of the sales team. They're seeing the performance of everybody. It's just all in the numbers. And it's, I guess, as you said, we're moving on to analysis. Yeah. But that gives such a unique... And you're in such a unique situation that... If you look at it properly, you're probably the most knowledgeable person about the whole business. Yeah. If you apply, if you want to be, and if you apply that, that and I logic. think that is the one of the interesting things uh, again about this blog and about this is the interaction between all these different facets of the profession. So even just grouping the next two kind of essential skills: critical thinking and creativity. So it, it is that idea beyond the numbers, using it for kind of real time reporting and insights, and having that view above everything and piecing bits together to to kind of analyze and evaluate your position and use that to make decisions not to the, be confused with creative accounting I actually I had that written down as well yeah we're, we're not the key skill in the next yeah, decade the key is, creative is not accounting. creative accounting um, yeah but, but that idea I suppose of with all that information then thinking outside the box and being one of the people in the organization that can can bring ideas and solutions um, because you are you know using that experience to, to help the success of the business but there's a reason why a lot of CEOs have Accounting backgrounds. The, like, there's a reason why that accountants. Ours does. <laughs> ours does. That's true. <laughs> but there, but there is a reason why that that people are in that situation. That they, um, there's a. Do you know what I mean? Because they have that unique view. They have that strategic view that the accounting qualification has given them. And I'd say that as a as a profession, certainly in certain industries, the fact that somebody might be a, a qualified accountant. Is pro- there's probably a high uh, proportion of people who are CEOs or very senior people in an organisation, not necessarily in the finance departments, that have a strong accounting background. Yeah. Okay, and then the, the final um, two skills which we're taking for this blog, but we touched on these analysis, but also using that then for judgment and decision making. So I think, as we touched on at the very start, you know, machines and systems can now process the data. That's the, you know, the value in an accountant isn't being able to sit down and enter all this information into a spreadsheet. But the interpretation of that and spotting the patterns and the performance and the financial health of a company, that's kind of the key. And then going the step on from that, using that analysis to help drive direction and the future of the business um, is really important. So I think that kind of covers everything and you can see how they are interlinked um, but it really does show that you know it's it's not a static profession and there's no it's not one dimensional either um, and you know for for the successful accountants or people who are looking to to develop and further your career it's combining lots of these different things to to just add value to your role as much as possible I think that's the key so I think for all you students listening and in the future when you get your CPD emails from your accounting body and you're thinking, oh, CPD is a real tick box thing. It's not. It's actually used properly. It can be really career enhancing. And you should always have these eight things that Connor has brought up today in your head. And if you're focusing, even as themes, even pick one or two and say, okay, this year my CPD is going to focus on improving in these two areas. Even doing things like that, you'll definitely enhance your career and, and that's where promotions and money come from, I guess, at the end of the day. <laughs> if you're enjoying listening to the Forget the Numbers podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us on your podcast provider. 
So moving on to our news stories this week, and as has kind of been the trend the last few weeks, I've been finding stories where in one week there's two stories kind of about similar things. So this week we're looking at the fashion industry, which over the last number of years has come under a lot of criticism over the amount of waste and pollution that they um, have. So I didn't know this, but... um, you know, they are responsible for 10% of the global greenhouse gas emissions, and they also consume more energy than aviation and shipping combined. You know? Well, I did. This is, this is so I, me. Being I, such a fashionista yeah, myself, yeah, I'm surprised yeah, I didn't to, know that. Yeah, to tailor your ways. Um, so... Yeah, so there's uh, what's come out, um, and as we've seen a lot, again, on some of the stories in this podcast, is in light of all these sustainability issues, a lot of companies are trying new and innovative solutions and are finding a lot of success from that. Um, so two of these are uh, t- two things that companies are doing now. One is H&M, um, who people might know as a retail store, but they've started allowing customers to rent clothes, and now you could pay a weekly rental fee or I don't know if you'd do it on certain weeks, um, that would allow you access to certain garments. And I suppose it's trying to get more, ensure the, the sustainable recycling of clothes that mm-hmm. people aren't buying and then they're going to wardrobes and then they're just being thrown out. So it kind of, they are taking control, I suppose, of the life cycle of the clothes and ensuring that you know when they reach the end of that life cycle, they're getting them back because people aren't going to over-rent them. Yeah, well, it's um, building on that idea that some people, there's like stores where people kind of, they, they get over the, um, the the negative feeling about what's wrong with going into and buying second-hand clothes. Yeah. And that's become a big, a, a much bigger thing that there's actually, there's no stigma. No. To fa- it doesn't mean you're poor or rich or describe you as any type of person. It's just, again, that word sustainability is important. Yeah, and I think these... I think H&M were, were one of the companies along with Zara and a few that get criticized for this fast fashion where they wait till other brands release things and then they quickly replicate it mm-hmm. and they come out and, you know, they're all bought and then it's just gone and those, you know, those clothes are just gone into to um, kind of... A dump Yeah, into, into <laughs> some landfill of all these things. So they, they're, I suppose, being proactive in their approach to this. And again, like a lot of things we've seen, they're trying to change that shopping experience which is something we talked about on the luxury end last week but yeah. now it's it's more that you know people could come in they have a coffee they look around they rent their clothes for for the week or you, I'm sure you can pay for longer yeah. um but it's i suppose it's trying to to change the way people interact with that industry for a more sustainable um yeah because yeah, uh, it's not always about money um but it is about that sustainability i think even today Connor would have seen I got something delivered to the office and the the box it came in was probably would you say eight or yeah. nine times the I, size I of thought you were getting in. a TV and yeah, yeah. It, was <laughs> and, and it was nearly like a deck of cards yeah. and, and I think that like so for all of the things and this was from a very very big company that everybody would definitely know that delivers lots of things worldwide <laughs> just in case you're confused um, but there's I think that and this is a company that would have talked about sustainability before, yeah. but the proof is in the pudding, really, and I think um, it would be great if the H&M thing worked, because, again, it's not necessarily about money. I think if people thought they are investing more money that was helping an industry and, and helping climate change, I think they'd be willing to do that. Yeah. 
And although it's not necessarily about money, the next story kind of shows the the money that is available with it and the value that people are now seeing within this. So um, there is a new company which has become Lithuania's first tech unicorn. So uh, you'll have heard us talk about tech or uh, these unicorn companies, which are companies with over a billion valuation. And this is for an online marketplace for secondhand clothes. Um, so it's called Vinted and I suppose they were targeting these more conscious shoppers. And as you said, the stigma is gone from secondhand Mm. um, clothes and people are looking, you know, to support this kind of circular economy and have less waste um, and more sustainable purchases. So this online company, which allows, um, I think, anyone to buy and sell their secondhand clothes has taken off hugely. Um, They've raised... I think I have $128 million they've raised, but they have a valuation of over a billion now. Um, And yeah, it is once again just trying to, I suppose, change the system, change the industry a bit. um, And based on those numbers, a lot of people are buying into that. But I think you mentioned it is a global economy and um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending where you're sitting, maybe... um, the success or failure of a business still, unless you're a government agency, really, the success or failure of the business still comes down to profit and loss and cash flow. And I think one of the big things that will help improve climate change from industries such as fashion, and mm. as you said, I think either of us were aware of the impact they were having on, on climate globally. Um, but if things are going to change, there has to be a way of making it profitable but beneficial for for the the environment and and for climate, so I think they seem to have been able to master those two things. Because you look at kind of energy, and yes, it's great the wind energy and water energy, but I don't think we're still at a at a point where it's completely effective profitability wise. Although it's the right thing to do, yeah. And I think therefore you struggle sometimes to get government support and people to invest in these things. But I think something that can clearly be a financial success will grow dramatically and will have a, a great knock-on effect. Yeah, and I think also something that allows the people using it to be involved within that sustainability. So we talked a few weeks ago about um, the what was it? the Airbnb company, Fair, Fair Airbnb. Airbnb. I knew it was. Yeah. But yeah, that's sustainable um, house, you know, um, yeah. renting your house out. And this follows that same thing. So that someone who was looking to, you know, sell their clothes, they know that they're doing it in a in an environmentally friendly way. And they're that's, you know, getting their buy in. And obviously, based on the numbers we're seeing, they're getting a lot of users um, for that, and they're taking a small commission off each of their transactions. Well, it's better than the landfill. But yeah, absolutely. Each week at the end of the show, we answer questions sent in by our listeners. You can send your questions in by email to podcast at learnsignal.com or tweet us at learnsignal. So, Connor, great student question for you this week. Um, I think for the last few weeks, it's like, how long should I be studying and what questions should I do? And does anybody have any tips? Um, and I think this is not an uncommon feeling um, from students, but I guess those students who have been working hard for weeks now and giving everything they can to their ACCA exam are now sitting here Saturday morning and they've definitely all finished at this stage. 
and they're thinking, oh, I should be studying. I feel guilty about studying. Is it, is it okay to take a break? What, what, what should I be? And it's that really confusing thing because you're in such a mindset. So what, what do you reckon students should do? Is it okay to take a break now? Should they take a, a deep breath for, for a while? Yeah, I think, and I'm going to give the advice that people are hoping I give, and I'm not saying, but <laughs> never study uh, again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can hold me to this, but you know, for anyone who's who's listened to this podcast, you will know that we do say that breaks are important, and these exams are a long road, and you're not going to be able to get through them doing a 12 week study cycle, and then immediately into the next one and working at an intensity, you'll burn out, you'll lose motivation. So, absolutely, do take a break. I think what we always say and we'll be talking about it in podcasts coming up is it's important to reflect on what worked well the last sittings and how you can bring that into your study, you know, if you're doing an exam come March time. I also think, you know, for your own sake, it's good to maybe make a plan of what you want to do over these next few weeks. Um, what's, you know, what subject you're, you're going to be taking next sitting, what study you're going to get back into. But that doesn't have to be, I'm going to start studying every day from Monday and continue that right up to the exams. So I think for your own sake, it's good to to think about what worked well last time, make a bit of a plan for how you want to get back into it for this sitting. Um, after, you know, a week or so off, you can start to build more of a, a study routine. But do give yourself the break that you need and that you probably deserve if you did work as we encourage you to work in the last sitting. Um, but I don't think you need to feel guilty, but it's it's good in your own head to just make that bit of a plan so that you don't say, oh, I'll take a bit of a break and then suddenly you're four weeks out from the exam. So we're going to finish up there today. Um, if you did enjoy our talk about our blog and the different skills, as I said, you can find that blog post and lots of other blog posts up on our website. So if you are interested, you can check that out there. But we're going to finish up there for today. Uh, once again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.